What's up, everyone? This is episode 184, and it is brought to you by Cat Percussion. And if you go to moderndrummer.com and look for the web post for this episode, again, it's episode 184, you will find a link to enter to win one of Cat's KTMP1 multi-pad drum and percussion pad sound modules. This is the four trigger pad compact unit that you can use to start incorporating electronic sounds in your acoustic kit it's a really great piece if you don't have any electronics this is a great starter it's not too complicated it has 40 or has 50 really high quality drum and percussion sounds inputs for a hi-hat controller and bass drum it's got usb and midi connectivity Uh, it's got all the all the basic sounds that you would need to just get some electronic drums and percussion into your setup again go to moderndrummer.com and look for episode 184's post and there'll be a link to enter there also the show notes for this episode we'll link it there we'll be sharing the link on social media again check it out make sure you enter the win and go to catpercussion.com check out the ktmp1 multi-pad so check it out let's get the episode rolling Acoustic sounds from Nick Murray. Boom! Love it. <laughs> Brother Nick bringing us in with his sweet grooves. You ever been to Poughkeepsie? Because Nick is from Poughkeepsie. No, but every time you say it, I just think, what a great sounding name <laughs> for a city. I've never been to Poughkeepsie, but I think you and I should do the Mike and Mike clinic tour, and all we do is one date in Poughkeepsie, and then I fly home I'm and you go back it. to... Okay, cool. Yeah. Your travel probably won't be as daunting as mine. Well, it's about an hour for me, no big deal. <sighs> Speaking of travel, i got to head off to the UK uh, in less than 24 hours. That's right. Well, by the time this is published, you'll have... When is your first clinic? Uh, you know, the first one is actually a festival that... It's kind of cool. A guy came up to me at the UK drum show, just drummer dude, and he's like, Hey, I want to put on a drum festival. Look like, right on, bro. Doesn't everyone? And then... He's like, if I, if I did it, would you be into it? And just like that total throwaway, I'll never see you again. Oh, yeah. yeah, man. Count me in, bro. Well, uh, I'm headlining it. It's uh, <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> Sunday, March 24th at the Southampton. Uh, it's Actually, excuse me. It's the Southampton Drum Show on Sunday, March 24th. And it's going to be at the Nuffield Theater. So uh, the dude put it together. So I was when he actually contacted us. I was like, you know what? I told Amber, I said, honestly, I, I remember that conversation. I literally promised that guy if he could pull mm-hmm. this off, I would do it. We can't back out. And so it's so I'm actually really excited. Uh, a couple other drummers uh, from the UK are on it that I've uh, never met before. And uh, M- Martin Ranscombe, and he's a leading expert on solving drummer injuries and physical problems. So I'm actually okay. excited cool. about that. Uh, and uh, John Atkinson, mainstay in the London session scene for over 20 years. First call for TV and film soundtracks. So, so this uh, this will be hopefully published on Friday. So if anyone is in the area, you have two days to get your tickets. It's not sold out, is it? This is the only one that isn't. The entire uh, Mino Clinic tour, which starts the day after this, is sold out. So um, this will be the I one was, then. <laughs> yeah, I was I was told by Mino, don't promote the Clinic tour anymore. <laughs> They've got pro- it's, it, they're all full. But this one is the one. If you're anywhere near Southampton, come on out. And uh, so this is going to be something new for me. You know, I mean, you've been doing clinics now for a while, so you probably know you know the vibe as far as. It's a little bit weird. You're in a room full of drummers, and they kind of, whether they admit it or not, they came to have their doors blown off. 
even if they know that's not what this person does. They still want that moment of like, mm-hmm. oh, damn. Okay. But this will be the first time that all of my teaching is completely based around practicality. I'm teaching like really practical stuff that at the end it doesn't have the – and if you want to take it to the next level, it, <laughs> right. it literally is like – and if you want to take it to the next level, play it at 40 BPM. <laughs> Flat doom, shatter doom. Oh, so – did it. So and you're headlining. I'm kind of, he, he, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean for the whole tour. Oh, like everything okay, I've right. planned out uh, – because I try every year to make sure that – Whatever I'm teaching is not what I taught the last time I was in that country or at that venue. So it's always there's always a reason to come out, even if you saw me last year, Mm because it's all new material. So, yeah, I I built this thing out of stuff where I just thought, okay, two things are going to drive the creation of this clinic. One, it has to be personal. I'm sick of teaching stuff that isn't overly personal, but I know that it's cool in a clinic situation because mm. I never feel good about it when it's over. I'm like, I don't even use that stuff. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, so I yeah. don't want that. And then I'm always jealous of clinicians, no matter how simple or complicated what they teach, uh, what they might be teaching is, I'm jealous of the fact like, ah, oh, that was so personal. Like I... That's not just a random thing to teach. I do hear that in Stanton's playing all the time. Mm-hmm. I've actually always wondered what that is, and now he just explained it. So that was a big thing this year. Everything has to be personal. I actually use it in my playing, and it has to be something that really made a change in my life as a drummer. And then the other thing is I want it to be practical. I want it to be something that if somebody used it, they could be proud. I, I don't want their band to turn around to them and go, Dude, did you go to a drum clinic last night or something? What the hell are you doing? <laughs> right. you know, I, do, I want them to be like, hey, you should go to more clinics like the one you went to last night because now you sound, you know, you sound good and, and that's useful stuff. But it still has to be practical. I can't be, you know, headlining a drum festival and be like, now check out what happens when I open the hi hat on the end of two. You know, it's like <laughs> nobody really wants to see that. <laughs> that's like drum camp stuff. Where it's like, okay, yeah. there's eight of you, we're in a lab, let's talk about the real stuff. But So anyway, so I'm, I'm excited to see how this goes, and then I'm also making sure that each track that I play is leading into that next subject that I'm about to teach. So it's mm-hmm. like the track ends, and then that opens up this discussion of something that just happened. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm excited, it should be fun. I mean, that that's a tall order to say you're going to reinvent yourself every year. <laughs> because if it has Dude. to be practical and what you actually utilize... And yeah. you're going to well, be doing I, these clinics every year. <laughs> I will say there's definitely been years where um, I, I would say even the, the Modern Drummer um, show, the, what was it, Drum Days? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. something that when I look back at it, I'm really bummed. I'm like, that that was a whole hour of stuff that wasn't very personal to me. I just, as an educator, it was kind of in my bag of tricks to teach it. Mm. But the passion wasn't there because it's like, this may help you, but I don't use this. Uh, it would be like me teaching my double bass stuff with one foot where it's like, dude, this is a cool gimmick. But honestly, I've, I've never done more than a five stroke roll with that. I've never gone never. Mm-hmm. in my right. own personal drumming, unless I was teaching how to do something like that, which to me is a gimmick. So that's what I want to change this year is everything I teach has to be really personal. I want people while I'm teaching it to be like, ah, oh, that's that thing. I always hear you do that on your Instagram videos or on your YouTube videos, but I've never known what that is. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I actually use this stuff. So nice. Well, yeah. that's good. I, you know, I'm at a, I don't know how this made me think of it. I guess probably because it's a personal journey. I was talking about it. Nam, how I wish someone would come out with a stomp box to go with the, uh, Yamaha EAD 10. Yeah. 
Well, Yamaha owns Line 6, which I did not know, and they make uh, a stomp box. That's <laughs> Wait a minute. First of all, you got to be kidding me. I just spent $1,000 on Dean's Line 6 board, and I'm a Yamaha artist. Mother Sucker. of pearl. <laughs> oh, well, at least I buy the stuff that I like, so, so it's not all. I wow, bought, that's uh, cool. I bought the action. You haven't even plugged it in yet, but I just got the M. It's called the M9. It's um, What's it have? I think it has six six stomp boxes built into it so i think it's pretty much everything i could ever imagine wanting so i can't wait to plug it in to the okay so give me the signal chain of this this goes into the ead 10 this is what i'm going to try to do um i'm going to take the main out of the ead 10 still into my little behringer mixer so that's still getting the clean sound out of the ead 10 however i'm processing it with the built-in sounds and effects and whatever okay and then I'm going to run the headphone out of the EAD10 into the Line 6 pedal. So oh. then I have option of and blending then, it. And then the out, and of, then the out of the Line, line six, 6 into the mixer. So I have a yeah. separate channel for all the crazy effect stuff that I could blend in with the normal sounding quote-unquote And drums. then will your actual, your personal headphone mix now is not the EAD10. It'll be the mixing the headphone out. Yep. Got it. And, I also, and there's also a looper built into the Line 6. So I'll be able to hopefully just play the drums loop myself then keep playing the drums how much are you hoping (laughs) hoping that there's some crazy storm that causes md to be closed for four days in a row you just sit in your basement dawsoning out i mean we're we're past snow season unfortunately but yeah that'd be perfect for like a monday (laughs) snow day like never never get dressed just wear my pajamas all day and play with electronics just order Order takeout Chinese and flowers for the wife and just be like, hey, I really am not going to see you for a while. Here's food to sustain you. Uh, We've got bottled water in the fridge. If you need me, like literally 911 text me. Otherwise, I don't want to be bothered. Yeah, so it's in my studio just staring at me. I've had so much other stuff to do, but I haven't even plugged it in yet. I don't even have because ever since I did the uh, Delaware show, I haven't even plugged my electronic stuff back in. Wow. It's just been straight acoustic drums for, for a couple of weeks. So we'll see. I'll report on that. But it looks like the one I have is the M9. There's there's several different versions. The M5 is like two two pedals. There's an even much bigger one that has, gosh, how many does that have? 10, 15, 15 pedals. Wow. So we'll see what happens. See what kind of craziness. Love it, man. Concoct. I'm actually using the EAD-10 uh, in our back room. So you've been here before. Our back room is like our mm-hmm. electric room. Uh, for the campers to mm-hmm. have an alternate place to practice because obviously they have their own practice kits here but when you get eight of them practicing next to each other it's a little distracting even yeah. if they have headphones on so they kind of end up uh, s- separating so I'm bringing in my Gretsch new classic bop kit with the entire set of Aquarian super pads on it and then I'm throwing the EAD 10 on it so they can just plug their headphones in use the metronome features record themselves but uh, because those super pads actually allow a little bit of tone to come through the drum it actually sounds pretty amazing. Uh-huh. It actually cool. it sounds it actually sounds amazing. It doesn't sound like pads at all because there's I even have it on the cymbals and the cymbals have a little bit of cymbal sound coming through if you crash them and stuff. And that's pretty it's cool. A, it's almost like its own effect by yeah, miking yeah. a pad kit. It's its own effect. So that way the campers can have uh, access to. There'll be three practice stations back there. There's going to be a row of uh, reflex pads because everybody just keeps wanting to know more about those. Mm-hmm. And then um, there'll be Yamaha's highest end electric kit and then my kit with the Yamaha EAD10. So it nice. should be a nice little Yamaha showroom back there. Well, should we talk about what Nick was playing uh, 10 no. minutes ago? <laughs> no. 
not unless it was something by Yamaha, because now I need them to supply my guitarist with Line 6 stuff. <laughs> All right, what, what was Nick rocking? All right, Nick, thanks for your intro beat. He has a precision kit, three-ply mahogany, poplar mahogany, 12, 14, 18, with a 14 by 5 snare, with maple hoops. He's got a wood hoop snare. Zildjian K-Ride, Masters on Hi-Hats, a TRX crash. He's using a two-channel interface, so it's just two mics, a Shure uh, Beta 52 on the, on the bass drum, and a condenser that came with uh, the interface. So, nice two-mic setup. Sounds good. Precision, Sounds I think Precision, if I'm not not wrong, that's the company that does all the, the wraps. You can order like your own drum wraps from them. So they, they make nice. drums as well, or they also supply you if you want to build your own stuff. Well, guys, thanks for the intro grooves. Thanks for the outro grooves. That stuff's just, it's cool uh, to hear, especially to when I, every once in a while, I'll still do a check on our podcast. Like, how are we doing? Uh-huh. Could this be better? How are, how are our ums and our you knows? <laughs> and every time I hear the drumming, I'm like, that is so freaking awesome. Right. That our <laughs> listeners are part of the podcast every single week. And to all of you guys that comment on either mine or Mike's Instagram posts and YouTube posts about the podcast, I love when somebody throws in like something where they just – it, it seems like an idiotic comment, except for we know where it came from. So right. they'll just yeah. the comment will just say creamy content. And I'm like, <laughs> and I always write back hashtag podcast. Love it. That would Kick be a puke hair. face. Yeah, <laughs> Man, that was yours. That was yours. I, I I stayed out of that one. But uh, but yeah. So for all you guys that listen, thank you guys so much. All right, you want to get into some education? All right. So let's dig into. So if you've been reading. The past couple issues of Modern Drummer, we are finishing up the April issue now, and that has part three of Steve Fiddick's uh, Latin Jazz Drumming Workshop that's basically applying kind of traditional Latin drum set styles to 3-2 time, which you and I had a discussion about what is 3-2 time before we recorded. Um, if you're familiar with 2-2 time, it's, a same, it's another way of saying cut time. So anything that's written as quarter notes will be played as eighth notes. Anything that's written as eighth notes will be played as sixteenth notes. So three two time is cut time, but in three four rather than two four. So you just have okay. three. You have three pulses per measure. Everything that's written, you just interpret it one subdivision faster. I mean, sense. honestly, just that statement alone is so indicative of music theory because there is there's multiple ways to do a lot of different things. Yeah. And then the drum industry, too. Uh, is it a kick drum? Is it a bass drum? It's like, well, yeah. all right, now here we go. Uh, so really, as you were explaining to me, this 3-2 thing that I'm seeing as when I look at it and don't look at the time signature, I'm just seeing eighth notes and eighth note rests. So a little bit of syncopated eighth notes, if you will. But you're saying that I would read this as 16th notes. Yep. You would just put an extra beam on every every note. Okay. So eights become sixteenths, sixteenths become thirty-second notes. It's really, at least for my uh, study, it's just a way to make it easier to read stuff, so you don't have so many beams. I see it often in show music, where a lot of the books are actually handwritten. So you can okay. imagine if someone's handwriting a book for a musical, and there's like nothing but sixteenth notes on a page, you're going to get tired real fast trying to read through that. So Double it just simplifies it. Sure. it simplifies the reading and also okay. the writing of it, so you don't have to spend so much time drawing horizontal lines well okay so first of all let's if we take that out if if i'm reading this let's say even as three four and it was 16th notes doesn't matter first of all the fact that we have all these mambo bell patterns in three yeah 
Okay, so that brings up something really interesting. I recently, I don't know if you saw it, but I put up a post on Instagram where I played a 6-8 Afro-Cuban pattern with my hands, and then I slowly started moving around the drum set, and I never changed anything. And I was showing off, here's how important orchestration is. My hands were mm. just playing this very simple bembe pattern with the left hand doing what it normally does in that traditional role. So many people thought it was in three because they've just yeah. okay so it's if you don't internalize a triplet pulse with six eight afro cuban or really feel that six eight it's very easy to hear it as a three four mambo yeah yeah and you're and then the hi-hat which is keeping quarter note pulse in that situation or actually one and three one two three uh one two three four five six no it'd be uh one and four one two three four five six one two three four five six yeah dun, 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 dun. Then that becomes the weird thing because you're hearing the whole thing as <laughs> yeah. one e and a two e and a three e and a one e and a. So playing a mambo in three four and then jumping into Afro Cuban six eight would be really fun because they are very different feels. Yeah, but mathematically they're going to end up being the same amount of notes. So do I mean speaking of this and playing your traditional mambo patterns, but putting it into three four, is this something that you've encountered where you had to do this? Have you played a lot of Latin tunes that were in three? Well, this would be um, a more kind of contemporary arranger's technique. Okay. Like, I want to do something, a Latin-style chart, but let's make it a little bit funky. We'll do it in three instead of two. So it's definitely, it. a, it's not traditional. I mean, in, by any, at least in anything I've seen. It, it's, it would be modern-day composers, arrangers wanting to just do a, a twist on a Latin style for a tune. Sure. You know, I think this also brings up another point, though. If you were very comfortable playing a bunch of different salsa variations and mambo variations, Wawanko, uh, Mozambique, like if you were comfortable with that stuff and people say to play it in three, I think what scares people is they, they immediately go, I don't know how to play that in three. They don't understand. No, no, you just play what you've been playing. Just cut off some of the end. <laughs> yeah, right. You just have to – really, you just have to internalize a new reset point. You're yeah. not going to get that last two-eighth notes or full quarter note worth of time in that. But it's not like I have to transcribe like, well, how would this be played in three? It's like, yeah, you know, I just think that's – play what you've been playing. I think that's kind of the lesson that we need to dig into is that you don't learn the mambo beat. You learn a mambo feel and what's the language and then you can – you know, add an extra two quarters to that pattern, and now you're in right. six or whatever. I think that's right. At least for me, if I was going to teach someone how to play Latin jazz drumming, I wouldn't teach them patterns. I would teach them a concept. Can you play clave with the right hand and then play freely with the left hand with cross stick and and rack tom? Right. Something like that, and at least you're getting the feel. Because really, this is all mimicking a, a percussion ensemble anyway, so there's no way you can actually right. play the mambo beat, because there is no mambo beat. Right, right. <laughs> only, only on Casio keyboards. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and that's what, I mean, We, I think you and I both want our students to not become loop stations of, mm. here is bossa nova one. You know, it's like, no, no, yeah, no, no, no. That's a feel. If you yeah. don't know the acoustic guitar part or the, you know, the classical guitar part of bossa nova music, you have no shot making this feel good like it's right. it's not about where does the kick line up that's there is an independent side to that and especially with this stuff you know i mean steve's just kind of writing out here are some different left hand things you can do those types of things he's got some left foot some right uh foot bass drum things so you you can kind of mix and match which i like mm -hmm. but i agree if you're mix and matching this stuff only because it's hard for you to do 
on a drumming independence level, you're definitely missing the point. Uh, I, I know that playing in the Sac State Latin Jazz Ensemble, that was my first time getting into playing with actual players rather than my high school jazz band is going to play a Latin tune. Mm-hmm. And the thing that changed everything for me, besides actually speaking to the percussionists and having them tell me what they want from me as a drum set player, the thing that changed everything for me was just understanding what the piano was doing. Once I realized the Montuno yeah. patterns, uh, yeah. that I sing that in my head way more than I sing even the bell pattern. Which is funny because I've asked a lot of you know scholars as well as natives of this style uh, how do you figure out what the clave is and they say listen to the piano part and then i say well what about the piano part and i can't get a clear answer it's some of them say well where is he playing the one that'll be the two side but i've yet to get like a clear answer it's just listen to the piano part and you'll hear it you just figure out which one works <laughs> it's like it's the worst <laughs> hey like, man what was that thing you just did and then they play it again and i'm like no, no, can you tell me what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they play it again. I'm like, never mind. We're cool. <laughs> I wish I had the ear that I could have picked that up, but I don't. So thanks for your help. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's funny. Even when I – as soon as I see a bell pattern, I start going, ginkle, 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 yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm instantly singing the Montino part. So, okay, as far as this stuff goes in the world of Latin drum set playing – did you? Is it? Was this something in your past that you had a specific chunk of time where you're like, okay, I've done my funk studies, I've done my jazz studies, now it's time to do this? Or did this just kind of get dropped into your drumming a little bit? It was for me. It was definitely filtered through studying jazz, just because of all every almost every record had one tune that was not a yep. swing tune. Like, yeah, yeah. what is it? What is Art Blakey doing? He's playing this right. this ride cymbal bell thing with the toms. So that kind of everything was filtered through. I want to learn how to play jazz. I've got to know how to play a night in Tunisia. Okay, what's the yep. what is Blakey playing on a night in Tunisia? Which right. sent me down a whole path of studying mambo and Tito Puente and learning hand drumming and all that stuff. But it all kind of germinated with I want to sound like Elvin on a Love Supreme. What is he doing? It's not swing. What is it? So all of it yeah. came from that idea. Yeah, same here. I mean, it, it was studying jazz i mean obviously even though i'm kind of self-proclaimed not a, a fan of jazz uh music personally i don't even know how to explain it but my it's funny my whole childhood and, and teenagehood was just me in school music programs so i was mm-hmm. always playing jazz and then at some point you're you know you're buying dizzy records and all of a sudden dizzy hangs out with arturo sandoval and there's this yeah. And, and there's this massive influence and you can hear the change and then it's like, oh man. And then that leads you to buy your first Arturo Sandoval record and then you start yep. going and then same thing. You you get into their drummers and and I remember too hearing uh, Night in Tunisia was probably that first one that a normal high school jazz bander would have to play where mm. uh, they're really kind to you in the chart and they say Latin. Right. <laughs> there's nothing written out there's no groove like latin what the hell does that mean i'm 14 bro i studied uh, latin for three years that is not a drumming language exactly <laughs> exactly and then you know and then like you if your band director isn't overly proficient in percussion or drumming they're no help yeah. so then and you go listen to the record the is yeah and then you go yeah. listen to the record and you're like wait a minute <laughs> i get all the way up you know, I get right after that part. Mm-hmm. I got that. <laughs> it's it's the that's my problem. <laughs> that's where everything falls apart. Uh, oh, so man. yeah, I, but I, I same thing. But through getting into that, trying to get through school, 
Yeah. Then I just fell in love with this stuff. I mean, this became a real obsession of mine. And I remember my first PASIC, uh, Ignacio was there, and I was front mm. row uh, to yeah. watch that. And yeah. uh, He kind of changed the game for everybody, I think. Yeah. Um, and then you guys brought to the world Horacio. Obviously, he was doing his own thing, but we as drummers didn't know about it until he played mm. the Modern Drummer Festival. And then he introduced Left Foot Clave to all of us, and... <laughs> Our whole world fell apart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I, I think that I, I can't imagine that any drummer on the planet would lose anything by starting to study world rhythms, world grooves, and definitely Latin drumming. I mean, yeah, it is daunting. It's probably the resources are probably easier now. I haven't really investigated it, but I know in the '90s it was like you go to the the world music section at Tower Records and it's the mm. most crappy bootleg junk ever yep. like this is what mambo sounds like no that was like a radio broadcast of some like right strange band in the middle of nowhere I, yeah i remember thinking so it's all house music like <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. always a all quarter note kick stuff was like yeah, yeah. No, there's a quarter note <laughs> kick underneath a montuno and i was like huh <laughs> crazy like this like i also have an aversion to this this like collegiate fusion jazz like that became the, mm. like you had to play songos and like that also didn't appeal to me because it was like that's that's not that's not real either because that's not what i'm hearing on these jazz records they're doing like this yeah. complicated slick version of latin totally really i mean i, I kind of dug i guess weck probably was the first one i, I heard really do it with chikoria like that kind of made sense but then when it became this like I don't know how to describe it. Real academic, like I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it just it. It was like, is that is that really it? Is that really? Well, that's that? the thing. It's like so we were doing that stuff in high school, you and I, and then we'd go to, you know, whatever your festival is called. We'd have Golden Empire or something. We'd go to our our jazz festivals that we would compete in, and you'd get to see like, oh man, this is the big college. You know, this is Fresno State, and I was like, they're playing the same crap we are they're just doing it like cleaner but this is still just cheesy as hell there, there was nothing hip about it um so yeah I, I i do think that resource wise now it's just so great that we have access to the practice spaces of every drummer in the world through instagram and through youtube yeah you know, i mean true. It's unbelievable. you know we used to just cycle like through our friends like oh man this is this is dave visiting cuba 25 years ago this oh, is yeah. jimmy brandley and like and there was one little clip and it was grainy and you had to slow it down and <laughs> yeah. now it's just like oh yeah i mean i think dave was just back in cuba but it's like there's tons of footage of it and oh by the way did you see that video that that mark Juliana posted he was in cuba yes yes and, and the guy i mean that if if anyone listening hasn't seen that go to juliana's instagram page and look for that video clip of um, someone i guess he met in cuba that's playing the most sickest funkiest i don't know what you would call it just just Cuban, Cuban pattern. It's yeah. insane. Well, and that's that's the difference between what's happening, whether it be in Cuba or anywhere or Brazil. That's the difference between what's really happening there and then us buying, that's what I call Samba 2019, you know, the CD, (laughs) or or, that's Mambo 2018. Like, don't buy those CDs. 
They're bad for you. Oh, well, man. if you buy CDs in general, <laughs> then step up your game and download something. All right. So, you guys, if you want to learn more about these Mambo bell patterns in 3-2 time, check out the Jazz Drummers Workshop in the current issue of Modern Drummer Magazine. This was written by the great Steve Fiddick. Ooh, All right. It's drummer time. All right. It's so drummer uh, time. Yeah. Let's talk about... Um not a not a Latin drummer, but a very well-rounded musical player, Jerry Pentecost. He he's currently uh, probably most widely known for being the musical director and drummer with Amanda Shires. Amanda Shires is a, a really amazing songwriter out of Nashville, kind of in the Leonard Cohen, Bob Dylan, Americana kind of vein. She's also in Jason Isbell's band. She's married to Jason Isbell and plays violin and sings backups with him. Uh, so Jerry has been playing with Amanda for a while, um, and he's on her new record. So I thought it'd be cool to start out by just dropping in a little audio from one of their songs on her new record. This song is called Eve's Daughter. The album is called To the Sunset. Most importantly, I think just check out the energy and the snare drum sound is what caught my caught my ear. So this is Eve's Daughter. I think, first of all, the the thing that is obvious is sound-wise, he's a pro for sure. But it's uh, it's it's hard to say. Like when you watch his, if you check out his Instagram channel, the dude can play whatever he wants. Yeah, uh, his feel is out of control. I think he's completely mastered the in between the cracks feel, where. Ooh, push it one more ounce to the swing and you got yourself a shuffle. Back it up just a little bit and it's straight 16s. I mean, that's yep. where he he doesn't sound like he's trying to be that drummer. Yeah, That's true. just what's naturally coming out. And I wonder, too, uh, how much that has to do with his love for 311 because Chad Sexton used to be able to do that pretty <laughs> yeah. well, too, honestly. Chad Sexton, that's um, right. Yeah, that's a, I mean, I think his obvious influence, which he acknowledges, is Al Jackson Jr. with all the stacks. Uh, yep. Memphis Soul and Booker T records, but yeah, he, t- he even mentions that Chad Sexton was a huge influence on him. Yeah, I mean, if you combine those two worlds, that's kind of what he sounds like, right? <laughs> um, but massive amounts of control, and I got to say too, with you know, he must be having a lot of fun in this band because this isn't straight up country. No, not uh, at all. Yeah, she's breaking all the rules. It's just good music. Yeah, it's just good music. And I, if I had to choose one radio station format for this to be on it would be very difficult because it's just good music i think that's Um, kind of been her problem is it's like it's it's way too hip for nashville's traditional country and it's mm -hmm. a little bit too country for like alternative radio or alternative she's fun and she's carving her niche and i i really dig the fact that she's uncompromising she's doing it her way and she's she's really kind of breaking through and changing the game and jerry's been there the whole time um his story if you haven't read it yet, it's an April issue, but I love the fact that he basically moved to Nashville 
with no gigs, just started taking every Craigslist ad for a band that he could part, find yeah. and, and plan every day wherever he possibly could, seven days a week, just work and work and work. And, and then finally just the gig started piling up. It's a traditional, the old school way to do it. You know? And it's, it's really the only way to do it. I mean, what do you, what do you want to do? Just sit at home and be like, no, pretty soon someone's going to call and be like, Hey, it's a thousand dollars a night. <laughs> even if you're, like he said, even if you're playing for $25 a night, at least you're playing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know. I, I need people. that. Yeah, I need that forward momentum in my life where it's like at least I'm loading my drums into my car today. At least if I was trying to reestablish myself in a new town. I may not be getting paid a lot, but at least I'm loading yeah. my drums in my car. I'm probably going to meet somebody tonight that I didn't know the night before. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the, the fact that yeah. that's what he did, and he built it, and he built it, and built it. And now he's you know a mainstay in the Nashville music community, and he's killing it. Yeah, and he talks about um, having to learn how to play quietly. That was a whole new thing for him. He was a little bit more of a heavy-handed drummer in the beginning, so just getting control of that. And again, we've said it, maybe just because I'm insecure and jealous, but the fact that he can sing background vocals, it's crucial. I mean, he's the MD for yeah. her band, so he ultimately gets to kind of shape the way the band sounds, which is super cool. So he's definitely back there contributing a lot more than just playing the beats off the record. Um, you know, singing, kind of kind of guiding the dynamics of the whole show. Love it. Uh, yeah, super cool. And his That's kit great. is awesome. Did you see the the setup shot? No. He's got uh he's got an old Ludwig kit. I think he recently just signed with Ludwig officially. Oh yeah. But Look he's got that. one of the old uh I don't know what that finish is, blue oyster. Blue oyster pearl? I don't know. Blue but, oyster pearl strata. Yeah, something. Something Pearl? cool. Something cool. <laughs> but I love that he's got like huge wads of napkins taped on that. Just yeah. The uh I'm pretty sure those are the original heads that came with the kit in sixty two. And yeah, I mean you just just by looking at it, just by looking at it, you already know the tuning. Yeah. You know what it's gonna sound like. Yeah. You know that you can't wait to count a band in on that kit and go, flat doom. Oh, yeah, there will be no diddles played on those toms. No, <laughs> no dude. Those are, uh, yeah, if you've ever played a drum made exclusively out of quicksand, that's what he's going for. Just steal the rebound, and that's what you get. But, I mean, seriously, look at it. Then you've got, like, this gorgeous K-Ride. What is that? Probably a 22, 22K light, which is a beautiful symbol, yeah. Okay. And then a set of hi-hats. That's it. So, flat to doom. <laughs> then with the sizzler, cast. Yeah. Man, it's, it's awesome. 14 by 20. That is the size. Love it. Um, good stuff. All right. Well, everybody, check out Jerry Pentecost. You can find him on Instagram. Literally, that is his Instagram handle, Jerry, P-E-N-T-E-C-O-S-T. Um, and guys, this stud of Nashville is at 2,600 followers. Can we please get that to 5,000 by tomorrow? <laughs> right. My goodness. Talk yeah. about an undiscovered gem. Let's yeah, boost this busy. kid up. He's too busy actually working. That's always the, yeah, yeah. Like, I I learned my lesson to not be like, what have you been up to? Uh, effing working? My bad. <laughs> what? You don't have time to make a post? What's going on, man? Don't you care about your likes? You can't document every second of your life? Come on, man. What's the deal? You didn't get any new followers last week. Your stats are down. <laughs> All right. I think it's time for a little giveaway. Yeah, so we've got a special giveaway this this week. It'll um, I'm not sure when the deadline's going to be, but Cat, our friends at Cat, are going to be giving away their um, 
we talked about it a few episodes back. It's the multi-pad, the um, KTMP1. It's a very simple, um, efficient, effective uh, multi-pad. It's got four trigger pads on it. Um, comes with 50 sounds, ba- all the basic essential sounds you could think of. We're giving one away. It's a great way to integrate electronics into your acoustic kit if you haven't yet. It also has a MIDI out, so you could then you know, plug it into your audio interface if you want to use it as a controller for making loops in GarageBand or Logic or Pro Tools. Um, so anyway, go to if you go to the webpage that's linked in the show notes, it's on ModernDrummer.com. It'll be for this episode, so we're at 184. So if you go to the Modern Drummer podcast page for episode 184, there'll be a link there for you to enter. Uh, we'll be picking one winner within the next week or so. So make sure you enter now. Um, and that's it. So, and if you, even if you don't win it, you should check it out. It's a it's a really affordable option for getting some electronics in your kit. Again, it's the KTMP One Electronic Drum and Percussion Pad Sound Module by our friends at Cat. Boom, love it. All right, all right. Let's dive into some nerdy stuff, huh? Mm, this is nerdy to a whole different level. <laughs> <laughs> so. You did a kick mic shootout. Yes, and I did. A little bit different than what most people would expect. Most people would expect uh, the D6 and the mm-hmm. Beta 52 inside the bass drum hole. You're going four inches outside of the bass drum and yes. going. F- so now let me ask you this because for me, as you know, my only kick drum sound comes from that exact position and yep. a large diaphragm condenser mic. Would you ever go for your kick sound with one of these mics, or is this only to enhance the fact that you have another mic inside your kick? Uh, both. This would be okay. so. You know, I mentioned it probably a month ago that I totally dismantled my studio and I'm going to build it back piece by piece. So I wanted to start with overheads bass drum mic that's not inside the drum. So I wanted to get just a general what does the drum set sound like in the room representation with three mics, and that's what the front bass drum mic does for me. Its function um, is to just capture the drum. What does the drum actually yeah. sound like? Now, if I have a mic inside the drum, I'll probably use that outside mic more f- exclusively for low frequencies, which means I'll probably put it much closer to the head and EQ it so it's just subby. Um, so the shoot, I did a, a whole bunch of shootouts. The one we're going to focus on now was I took eight different microphones, all large diaphragm condenser mics, put them exactly the same distance from the front of the head, which is four inches. Now, how did I come up with four inches? This is where it gets really nerdy. Because uh, <laughs> I also did a shootout we can talk about where I went from three to six to nine to 12 inches and kind of examine that. But four inches because the drum was tuned to G sharp and I found oh the length of the wavelength of G sharp <laughs> and Bro. then kept dividing that in half until I found something that would be within inches. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> so just over four inches seemed to be the spot where I would at least be getting an octave overtone <laughs> capture. <laughs> However creamy content makes you feel, every nerd thing you just said. I mean, you're talking to a guy that really, really enjoys astrophysics. That is lame. Okay, but that's cool. That's cool. Well, here's the thing. The, the note G-sharp one, like the lowest G-sharp on the piano, which is what this bass drum was tuned to, the wavelength is like, like, it's insane. So you can't possibly capture an, an entire wavelength from start to okay. finish. You'd have to be like in the next neighborhood, right? So I just kept. And if you divide that frequency, I think again, I'm not a audio 
scientist, but if you keep dividing that in half, you're getting an X octave. So you just keep going half and half. <laughs> anyway, four uh-huh. just from the freaking head. Uh-huh. It sounds good. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All I can think about right now is Aaron Sterling going like, I don't know. It's like this far. It's like this far, and he holds his hands up. It's this far in front of the you base from head. It doesn't matter. It, 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 you know he did every micro inch yeah. first before he found that Whether spot. Whether you do it – okay, I will say this. <laughs> Whether you do it mathematically or you just keep moving it until it sounds best, we all do it or we all yeah. should do it. And that is always the secret that no one gets is like, I don't know. I honestly just moved it until it sounded good. Like, there, you know, four inches is great. Um, but also, you never know. You get a new studio that's much bigger, different reflections. Who knows? Um, okay, so all of the – most importantly, all of the kick mics are in the exact same position. Yep. You did your best to level it. And I think this needs to be said right up front. Because everyone will lose their minds on a negative level. There's no EQ and there's no compression. Zero. So you have to understand when you hear samples like this or you hear what you're about to hear, what Mike and I are listening for is what did that give me on its own that I can work with? We're, yeah. none of, we're not saying, oh, I wish my kick sounded like that. We're saying, okay, cool. That gives me the file that I can work with the most to get the sound I'm going for. Yeah. So what I in particular am listening for, and that's what I would suggest everyone listen for when we go through these eight files, how's the attack? How's the low end? How's the mid-range, and how is the bleed from the other instruments of the kit? So what I yeah. did was I played the bass drum. It's an 18-inch bass drum, by the way. Uh, I played the bass With drum. Ruffling? Yeah, it's got like a um, like a real small pillow in there, so it's lightly touching both heads. Um, I play the bass drum by itself, like four notes, then I play a beat, and then I go back to the bass drum. So each, each pattern, I try to play it exactly the same thing, exactly the same dynamics, um, I'd level match the audio file itself, so you're not hearing some louder than others. They're all the same exact volume. Uh, that was really important because I think if something sounds louder, we automatically think it sounds better. I agree. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to do a March Madness kind of okay. like shootout. We've got eight mics. So I'll tell you the mics we have. I'm not going to tell you what they are in the order that we're going to listen to them, but I had two Aston mics. I had an Aston Spirit and an Aston um, Origin. Large diaphragm condensers. I had two Shore mics, a KSM32 and a KSM44. I had an M-Audio Solaris. I had a AKG D12VR, and that mic has three different settings, so there's a separate file for each one. There's the vintage red, there's the modern green, and there's the open blue filter. So that's all of our mics. So we're going to do... Again, March Madness shootout. So we got number one versus number two. You and I are going to pick a winner. We're going to move on to round two, and then we'll go Boom. through. We're going to see where we end up with which our favorite mic of these eight is. So All right. let's check out number one. That's mic number one. Let's check out number two. All right. So... 
Which of those two would you be more likely to use? Let's go with that. Mm. I okay. Once again, my caveat here is I'm looking for what is going to give me the most flexibility to do what I want to do, and what. And then on a negative side, I'm looking for what am I going to have to fake? What is mm-hmm. not there that I'm going to have to fake? Uh, Mike two is super present, and it's got great punch to it and attack, but it's like this mid-range punch. Mike one is a little bit um, woofier sounding to me, uh, coming through my Yamaha NS10s. So there's not as much attack, but I can probably fake that with some EQ. I don't know, man. I I would probably go with mic one, even though unmixed, mic two just has that presence that I kind of love. All right. You know what? Let's just go with your choices. So round one. All right, mic one. One one wins over two. All right, so let's do three. So this is three versus four, mic number three. That's mic three. Let's do number four. All right. Uh, I, I'll take mic number four. I feel like Mike 3 was struggling a little bit with the low end. I mean, it was like almost clipping, but not. It just wasn't as clean sounding to me. Uh, So I'll take Mike number 4. Did you feel the same? I feel. I think Mike number 4 kind of captured the drum very accurately, but number 3 had something funky. So if I was going to do a two-mic setup... I would probably use that number three because it had like a like an overdriven kind of vibe that I liked. But yeah. as like a as a only kick mic, maybe not. So yeah, number four. So all right, let's do five. number six. Okay, for me, five is the jam. I like five. five. There is a decent amount of bleed, yeah. but the bleed that I'm getting actually sounds like your snare drum. In six, good sounding mic, bass drum sounds good, but the bleed that I'm getting sounds like a more mid-range version of your snare. So I feel like I'm going to have to fight with that a little bit. Yep. I agree. I think five was just a cleaner sound. It'd be easier for me to work with. I agree. Okay, we're getting down. Seven All versus right. eight. Seven versus eight. Here's seven.
our last mic, number eight. hope we don't have to pit five against seven but i think we're gonna have to because <laughs> i love those two seven was almost where i would almost leave it i would just put an overhead up and be fine eight sounded good but it's just uh i always call that a round sound like i feel yeah. like the mids are boosted the lows and the highs are a little down yeah i'm right with you i would use eight if it was a jazz kit and i was going for a darker sound but as there a general go. bass drum that i want to have minimal f- bleed but really nice low end nice attack it's hard to beat number seven. Okay, so our bracket has been whittled down to the final right. four. Final four. We've got one versus four and five versus seven. So let's Damn review it. what number one sounds like. Okay. Versus four? Versus four. So here's four. Well, this sucks. <laughs> those those two are pretty close. So I think we're probably also now getting into personal feelings and personal taste yeah. uh, because these two sound very similar to me. So obviously my taste is leaning in that direction. I like one a little bit more than four, and I have no explanation for it. All right. Well, What about you? I think these are both good mics that just capture the drum sound. So I agree. I think... I would I would have leaned towards four, but okay. I could say one. Either one of these, I'd be happy. These using. ones are super close, and I, if you did a blind taste test and then in the end told me, oh, by the way, it was the same mic, I wouldn't be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I would never say that <laughs> to anything. There's nothing you could say where I would answer, what? Oh, uh, okay. But Let's they go. sounded pretty close. Okay, so, so we'll next say round. number one sneaks in. So now we've okay. got five versus seven. So here's number five. Then lastly, number seven. That one's close, man. I'm really hoping that both five and seven are that. Uh, do you, is it the D112 VR? 
There's an no, AKG, I'm not asking if it is. One, but of, that's the one of the mics is an AKG yeah. D12 VR. Okay, because yeah. <laughs> I love five and seven, but seven is definitely my jam. Yeah. And, and only because it sounds like I'd have to do the least with it. I could almost use that as is. All right, so we've got one versus seven. So should we reveal who our finalists are or wait till we get a winner? Yes, let's reveal the finalists because I, I, I want to know personally. All right, I'm not going to tell you which one is which, but one of these two is the D12 VR with the blue filter. Okay. And the other one, surprise, this might be the, uh, the underdog of the whole bunch, the M-Audio Solaris. What? Yep, the first condenser mic I ever purchased about 13 Damn. years ago. I didn't even know M Audio was making mics. That <laughs> I don't know long. if they um, still do, but so we've <laughs> but got they a, did. M Audio Solaris, which is a multi-channel, a multi-pattern mic. It has cardioid, omni, and figure eight. By the way, all of these mics were in a cardioid pattern. They okay. were positioned four inches away from the head, maybe a half inch off center of the head. Um, so let's do it. So we've got the finals here: number one versus number seven. Let's do number one first. Lastly, number seven. Okay, so... Uh, the, the one that will be cutting down the nets tonight <laughs> is number seven. And I got to say, that's such a personal bias because when I listen to number one, I can think of 15 different drum set sounds that that would be perfect for. Yeah. And then when I listen to number seven, it's like, oh, for my drum set and the way I'm going to mix and the way that I like drums to sound, that's my jam. All right. It's unanimous. The winner is the AKG D12 VR in the blue filter setting so what's the blue filter is that the modern it's the they call it like the open like that it was kind of the scoop was it has like a pre-eq scoop in it so it's kind of an unfair okay. advantage for this mic because it has an eq built into it but again i didn't do anything i just turned the mic on and and that's what it captured so the the green scoop is more of a modern for okay. modern punchy sound so if you have like pillows in your drum i wonder if that was number five that was number five. Good ears. <laughs> the blue filter is designed more for an open bass drum sound. So if you're going to unmuffle it or more of an out front setting. And the red is a vintage uh, sound. Well, so, to AKG's credit, sorry, to AKG's credit, that sounds nothing like a D112. That is, There is definitely a reason to own that mic and yeah. the D112 by itself. Yeah, exactly. And the good thing is, for any of you who might think both of these mics were great, the D12 VR can also be put inside the drum, and it's designed to withstand all that. So you could use both of these. You could do the D12 inside the drum and the M-Audio Solaris outside the drum and have a super kick drum sound. Done. Can you still find that M-Audio mic? I'm sure. I'm sure. It's wow. a great mic. I've used it. I use it as a room mic. I mean, it's a really versatile mic. Um I've used it on the bass drum a bunch, so I had to make sure it was in this mix to see if I, if my ears were deceiving me. But no, the AKG D12 VR, I think it might be the best bass drum mic I've ever used. It's just a general 
bass drum inside yeah. outside it's it's a really really good mic Okay, so just so you guys know, with the VR, it, it's not cheap. I mean, normally a good bass drum mic is like two hundred bucks, uh, but right. when you get into large diaphragm condensers, it's a little different. This microphone, when we're saying blue, red, green, there's literally a switch on it, and then you get a light—a blue light, a red light, or green light—so you know what you're in, and it completely changes the sound of the microphone. So this is. I was actually really impressed with that. I've never heard this microphone before. I've heard of it, but I hadn't heard it. I was pretty impressed with that. Yeah. it's it's. And if you don't turn the phantom power on, it functions like a dynamic mic. So there's really wow. four sounds you can get out of it. I didn't want to use that in this test because everything else is a condenser. Yeah. Awesome. Get it. Congratulations. AKG D12 VR blue filter. Love it. Very cool stuff. Now, before you guys start writing, Dawson, this is a shootout of what he has in his studio so don't say well you guys didn't test it this was not a microphone shootout for the sake of microphone shootouts this was just you going through the mics you currently own yeah right? this was me getting to know my own my collection and see what i'm going to use this stuff for forever love it in the future love it so that'll All be on right. my bass drum for now you know going forward unless unless something else comes along to beat it i did like the um aston spirit the one that had kind of a distortion built into it yeah that's a cool sound it's just not something that i would use on everything but it has a cool sound love it all right it's time to get into your listener questions hopefully you guys got something out of that little shootout and we'll do more of that stuff in the future for sure all right so we've got two uh audio questions let's do steve smith first hey mike and mike steve here um i love the podcast thanks very much for it my question is related to the feel of the drums I often encounter situations, uh, particularly in outdoor gigs, but it can happen in indoor gigs as well, where the drums, uh, for whatever reason, just don't feel right. They don't feel very forgiving. It feels like I'm playing on wood or formica, um, and I don't really know why this happens, uh, but it definitely affects the gig, the enjoyment level, and uh, psychologically how I play the drums when uh, they just don't feel right under my hands. I'm wondering if you guys ever encounter this and how you overcome it. Thanks very much. I think all of us have experienced that. Unfortunately, we've all experienced it without knowing it was coming because our first yeah. time playing outdoors, we're like, anyone else feel a weird guitar <laughs> bass? Because uh, that was odd. And then you do it again and again. And I will tell you this, no matter what the monitoring situation is, I've played like, you know, full on arena style outdoor events with the greatest monitors ever. And I still felt like I was playing outside. Do you think, and, and I don't know what it is. I mean, do you think it's just the physics of the fact that there's nothing for the sound to rebound off of? It's, or what I is mean, it? Yeah, it's gotta be. I mean, the sounds are just going into space They're You're not getting anything coming back. So unless your, your wedge is really cranked and, or you've got a really great monitoring system or you have like a, like a Porter and Davies throne. I mean, there's, you're not yeah. going to feel anything. I think that's that's the number one problem. You're not going to feel anything. <laughs> it's going to be like you're yeah, playing I think in space. I, I, I have to say, like from your from a hands uh, to mylar perspective, it must be pretty similar to what you always experience. It's just all the other feelings of the waves going through your body and everything that aren't there makes you isolate the feeling of your stick hitting the mylar, and now that's all you have. And it, it just feels exactly like what he said. I remember feeling that exact same thing, telling my sound guy, dude, I was hitting wood today. Like <laughs> I, like someone replaced my drum heads with uh, those index wood heads. Yeah. <laughs> like I got nothing out of it. And 
you know, it, it's it's a very weird thing. And then the other thing that I wonder how much it comes into comes into play is the maybe what could happen to a mylar head going to outdoors with the tuning. Maybe the tension is slightly different. The I don't humidity. know, but I, I mean, I remember yeah. in, in in marching band because I played quad, so we did. I didn't have Kevlar heads. I had regular plastic heads, and they yeah. would feel. Some days they would feel sticky. Some days they would feel like concrete. I don't know oh. if that's air pressure or if that's humidity. I have no idea, but definitely but it's that real. changed. It's definitely You're not imagining real. this, Steve. So just know that we all go through it. I, I, the only thing I can say is if if I have anything outdoors coming up, drum festival or just a co- if I'm covering for another drummer – I just mentally psych myself up for it. I just know you're not going to be in your comfort zone. You, please do not let this get into your head. Don't obsess on it. Just make things feel as good as possible. And you've mentioned this many times on here. Don't play louder just because you can't hear yourself. Yeah, that's you're tough. mic'd. Yeah. It's going out to the crowd. Be you. Put the feel into it. Memorize how your body feels when you play a groove and just recreate that feeling rather than trying to match the volume for the fact that everything's going out into thin air yeah and the other thing for me is i always take two very different snare drums and two very different sets of cymbals that's not always an option for everyone but i mean i can't tell me how many times i've gone to a gig where i have the snare drum that i think would be amazing and then i hit the first note and and i want to throw it away it's just like that drum whatever reason today is the worst option i could have picked so i always have like a wood drum and metal drum, different depths, whatever it may be appropriate. Symbols might have something real clean and something real kind of thin and dark, just because you never know. There was I remember one gig in particular when the, the the symbols just disappeared. Like I couldn't hit them hard enough, and that's never the case. Like whatever the frequency was, it just evaporated. <laughs> there was like right. no sound, so I had to swap them for a totally different set. Dig it. All right, let's get into our next question. Right, this is right, from the, Brian. Yeah, question from Brian. Hey guys, it's Brian here from London, UK. Um, Thanks very much for the show that you do and put lots of effort into. Uh, I've got a question for you that I'm not sure either of you can relate to as players, but maybe as educators you've come across this, is that I'm left-handed, but I play on a right-handed kit. In other words, open drumming. So I've got my hats on the left and I've got my right on the left as well. Uh, For me, the question really is about what's the best way to learn and where are the best places to go for open-handed drummers? Uh, For example, if I signed up to Mike's lessons, uh, is that something that would help me? Uh, I followed some of the videos by Mike and others online uh, which is a big help, but obviously I'm having to swap the right with the left and the left with the right, which can be quite confusing and it's a bit more time consuming than if it was just standard uh, cross playing. So wondering if you've got any advice for myself and other open-handed drummers and uh, where are the best places for us to look for lessons? Thank you very much. All right. Well, I'll handle the Mike's lesson side of it first. Uh, first of all, as far as open-handed players, both Mr. Dawson and myself are quite jealous of that. And we find it – we've always been in favor of left-handed drummers playing on a right-handed kit because you get to play open-handed. It opens up the drum set a lot more too. So I am a huge proponent of that. I will say this. 
If you signed up for Mike's lessons, uh, first of all, use the code podcast so you can get two weeks for free. And that way it'll give you two weeks to decide if this is going to work for you or not before you have to commit to spending any money. Um, but all of our notation has a little G on the left of the notation, which stands for GrooveScribe. If you click on that, it'll actually open the notation software up. And then you can swap out quickly all the rights for lefts. Like literally you just click on where it says sticking and you just tap on the R and it becomes an L. It would take you two seconds to transpose everything we have into left-hand lead. So I would just try that. Uh, And then I don't know if Mike has any other recommendations, but obviously I think we all feel like Klaus Hessler is kind of the man when it comes to open-handed drumming and open-handed teaching. Yeah, he's got a couple of books on that very subject that I think are are a very compelling argument for even right-handed drummers to learn the instrument with left-hand lead. Yeah, I mean, I think the one go. challenge I've noticed with with some students is the sticking. Like, how do you deal with the fact that you're leading with your left, but your fills are mostly right hand lead? That that's the mental flip. Like, you have to learn how to incorporate a double somewhere along the way in order to resolve without dropping right. a sixteenth or having to do some super insane jump across the kit. Yeah. Um, so that'd be the only, that's the one thing that that doesn't work about that setup for me is you can't just play left hand lead. Your fills are going to be they still need to exactly yeah i agree with that that's about it man yeah all right thanks for your guys questions and i think brian should probably start to do the show intro for us (laughs) pretty dope right (laughs) welcome to the mike and mike podcast (laughs) episode 184 yeah that was amazing uh fantastic all right it is time to get into our picks of the week uh do you want to go first sir yeah so i just saw there's a new um We've talked about this this YouTube channel before. Creative Sound Lab, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, let me open oh, it Oh, yeah, up. yeah. Dread, Dreadlock uh, sound engineer guy? Yeah, yeah. So he – two things that just came out in the past week that I think are great. He did a like a, like a mini course um, on snare drums, how to tune them, how to mic them, how to record them. So that that is – I think you have to go to his site. It's a free course. You can you can get the links to check it out. His approach to tuning the snare drum is really it's simple and awesome. That's a, a method that I hadn't um, remembered. Like, like the way you tune timpani, how you you glide up to the pitch that you want. So he actually does that with the tuning rods. He'll detune a rod and then hit the drum and then tune it up quickly to get to the pitch that he wants. It's, okay, it seems to work great. Um, and he also just put up a nice uh, tutorial on his YouTube page. So if you go to Creative Sound Lab on YouTube, he's using a single ribbon mic to get a uh, like a overall drum set sound. So if you're looking for that option, putting it over the bass drum shell. He's got a great 11-minute tutorial on how he does that. So Creative Sound Lab. such a good channel. It's a great channel. Great drummer. Really knows his stuff. It's all practical, drummer-focused stuff. And I got to say, for any of you that are just getting into this stuff and are a little intimidated by how insane recording yourself can be, and especially if, if the videos are talking a little bit over your head, this guy really, really talks to the kind of every man drummer every man producer it's uh, when i was just getting into this especially switching to that two mic setup that i've had for a few years now he was my main resource because he wasn't trying to prove to me what a stud he was and how i could never get my drums to sound like that he was like yeah, dude you yeah. got this and it just had a good vibe so yeah. really enjoy that check out that channel all right uh so 
I have had a little bit of trouble lately with the world of DAWs, digital audio workstations. So I use Pro Tools at home. There's your first uh, mistake. Don't, <laughs> you son of a biscuit. Um, now, the only reason – I will say this. The only reason I use Pro Tools is because the only two – the other two guys in my band use Pro Tools. So when we record here, we're literally swapping out who's sitting at my desk uh-huh. and no one's having to relearn a system. Yeah. That's the reason. It was like, okay, you guys use Pro Tools. I'll learn it so that when you're here, we can do that. I will say it is superior to Mixcraft, uh, which was <laughs> – but I still like – you know, Mixcraft is the garage band of – PC, but even GarageBand is pretty amazing. So, yeah. um, so anyways, uh, lately when I travel, uh, well, when I got my new laptop, Pro Tools won't load on it for some weird reason. I always get an error when it's initializing something to do with the um, the interface stuff, uh, and unfortunately, because PC and Pro Tools don't really have a lot of friends uh the forums aren't helpful every mm. forum is for a mac based thing so anyways wasn't able to solve that problem i used uh mixcraft for a while on the road but i was having some issues with it like i don't know if i was just shaking my laptop too much while playing but every once in a while i would actually get like a little skip in the track oh weird um which when you're in seven eight sucks because yeah, so I don't know. It, I I don't. Even, I'm sure I could have solved that by just putting two towels underneath my laptop, which I should do on a stand when I'm bouncing around on a drum riser. Anyways, I wanted something a little bit more professional, so I switched over to. I tried uh, the Presonus Studio One software. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm loving it. Yeah, uh, a buddy of mine makes a whole record on that that I played on, and it, it has so many built-in effects and everything. Yeah, it's really good. It's got a drum machine built in, so it's going to be great for me to – that's one thing that's tough as a clinician is they don't make a lot of good metronome apps for Macs and PCs. So a lot of times I'm doing a clinic and then I want to speak about something and I want to have a metronome going and I have to unplug my laptop, you know, the audio cable, then plug into my iPad because that's my most comfortable metronome. So this gives me the ability to play my tracks, then have – you know, a drum machine that I've already set up at different tempos and different things that I can play to, but it's only a hundred dollars for the software. I, I, I just want to say like, honestly, I have no association with any DAW. Uh, so I don't really care what you use, but I was surprised at how easy this was for me to learn as far as a brand new software program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's always the worst part of all this. Any of these will work, whether you, even if you're using Reaper for free, they'll all work. It just takes a while to learn the interface and learn their language. And so this is Studio One by Personas, and it was really, really easy to learn. So digging Sweet. it so far. Sweet. So uh, I think we should ask if if we um, if anyone listening enjoys the microphone style more and more recording side of what we do, let us know because we could do this every week, uh, but also don't want to bore everyone to fall asleep at the wheel and wreck their car. So just yeah. let us know. We won't we won't plan on doing it every week, but I like I said, I'm doing tons of shootouts in my own studio now because I want to know exactly what all my microphones can and can't do and what would be the best sound for my purposes. So I'd like to share all that results if anyone is interested. So just let us know. Uh, I have cool. a future topic for you that I would like to discuss either next week or the week after, and that is in my two mic setup, it's a tuning issue. If I get my my rack tom to sound the way I want my rack tom to sound on its own, 
it resonates so much when I use my bass drum or my snare drum that it actually changes the tone of my bass drum and snare drum. People will say, dude, your bass drum is so ringy. And I'm like, I've got 11 pillows in it. It is not. <laughs> you're hearing my rack tom and you're attributing it to my bass drum. So I want to talk about the relation uh, to a cymbal stand. And is your stage hollow? Mm, yeah, a little bit. Wonder if you put some sort of a like RLX makes a real heavy drum mat that kind of mutes the floor. Hmm. You might want to try that because it sounds like you're just getting sympathetic vibration from the floor at this point. I mean, yeah, like when I as soon as even if I hit my snare, I hear my rack tom go. Mm. And um, so it's something to talk about in the future. Last thing is for you guys out there. There are too many drummers for Mike and I to be able to cover every drummer in the world or even know about every drummer in the world. So if you have a suggestion of somebody that's killing it in the drum scene but maybe isn't getting the recognition they deserve, please let us know. Just write that into mdinfo@moderndrummer.com. And I'm not talking about your bro that's got 11 followers on Instagram. <laughs> I mean somebody that's really making some headway in the drum scene but just hasn't had the drum scene recognize them yet. Please let us know. We're always down to cover new drummers. And that's Wait. what we're here to do. All right, so let's send this one out with Tony Pickler's beat. He's got an SJC kit, maple kit with an 18 by 22 inch bass drum, a 7 by 14 snare, and some vinyl cymbals. He has the 12, 14 Gen X Benny Greb trash hats, a 18 inch Byzantine Stark crash, and he recorded this with a pair of Roswell Mini K47 overheads and the AKG D112 on the bass drum and an Audix i5 on the snare. So that's Tony Pickler. If you want to get your beats in the show, please send them. As a download link, we've had a few come through that did not transmit properly. So give me a Dropbox or a WeTransfer or some or a Google something. Something where I can actually download the file. Send it to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. It's a great job, man. You crushed that. All right. That is it. <laughs> you have I'll a see good you from time. the UK. Yeah, have a good time in the UK. We'll have a nice uh, latency issue to deal with next week. That'll be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I can get one of those UK sirens to go by my hotel room just to prove that I'm there. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. See you.